Welcome to Footnotes and Witness. My name is Deborah J. McKenzie, and this is the podcast where we study the Bible to see Jesus rightly and find him in our own stories. Let us be faithful witnesses of his character and glory. So far in season three, we looked at four different witness testimonies from the Bible. That's from Rahab, Jonah, Ruth, and Moses. And today we're going to start talking about how we can write our own stories and what those stories have kind of taught us about how to get started. I think that's the hardest thing about any new idea is where do I start? What do I do? So let's look at what these kind of witness testimonies have taught us so far. Rahab, your past doesn't matter. You have been adopted into God's family, and you are a daughter or son of the Most High King. What we see in Rahab's story is her declaration of her belief, who he is and what he has done. Salvation is a gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to be born into the right family or in the right country. You just receive it. And you receive it by doing exactly what Rahab did. You declare it. It's there for you with open hands. And so you take it and declare it. You name it. Remember Rahab and Joshua 2, starting in verse 9, her declaration went like this. Rahab says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who are beyond the Jordan, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What an amazing declaration. Now, your declaration might look different, right? It's going to be a different story. It's going to be a different time and a place. Maybe you haven't actually declared your belief. Maybe you need to receive salvation right here and now. Whatever it is, whether it's an old friend or a new faith, record your declaration. Mine might have looked something like this. God, I've known you my whole life. I know that you created the whole world and everything in it, but I've struggled to know you in my world. I am going to choose to believe in you and grant my faith to me and help me change my life. I grew up in the church. There was never a time when I didn't know Jesus's name and I didn't know that God existed. But there was a time when I had to choose to follow God on my own. Now, a popular Christian faith tradition is to, quote unquote, invite Jesus to live in your heart. Now, this is something that a lot of kids do at VBS. In fact, my kids asked to have Jesus come live in their heart in a drive-thru in the minivan, of course. I don't know why kids have the most serious conversations in the car, but that's usually where it happens. So it might sound something like this for you to invite Jesus to live in your heart. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God and my savior. Please come and live in my heart and be the king of my life. Very simple. It's just a declaration of what you believe and what you're going to do about it. I'm going to believe in you. I want you to take over my life. The point is, is that there's not a set 
of magic words. There's not a wrong or really a right way to receive salvation because salvation is a mystery and it's personal. Your declaration is always going to look much different than mine, and that looks different than my kids, and that's going to look different than my mom's. Everybody has a different declaration. It is personal. The point is to receive it, to declare it, and own it. In Jonah's story, we learned that God cares for all peoples, and he is patient with us. This may be the point in your testimony where you confess your disobedience. You've said what you believed, and now it's time to say what God is saving you from. What is the thing that's been holding you back? What is the life that you want to leave behind? Recognize your heart led you astray. Now, this may not be a public part of your testimony, and that's okay, but it's definitely the First time you write your testimony, something that you want to include, because it's the why. Why would you follow Jesus? Why would you give your life to this king? Why would you change the way that you speak or watch TV or communicate with others? Why? We have to remember what we've been saved from. I learned a very important question in a small group a long time ago. (laughs) Where is my sin in this situation? It is so much easier to see other people's sin, right? Jonah could see the sin of the Ninevites so clearly that he would rather run from God than deal with his own sin. He would rather run from God than deal with these sinful Ninevites at all. Because remember, Jonah said, I knew that you were a God of compassion and mercy. He he knows that God's going to forgive them. But to Jonah, their sins were too great and he could not fathom forgiveness for them. When we ask this question, where is my sin in this situation? It is a personal invitation to take stock of something that you can control, something that has to do with you. It is always easier to see someone else's sin. When Jonah ran and then was finally obedient after being you know, swallowed up by a fish, whatever it was, it was three really not comfortable days. But he goes and he's obedient. And then when he gets angry, God asks him if his anger is justified. And Jonah's sin perception falters. Even when the other party has a very clear sin, it's important to examine our own heart posture. Where was my sin in this? Where did I go astray? Now, the place where I want to speak a little bit of caution into this, though, is abuse. Admitting that I was filled with pride, anger, and distrust of God does not, will not, never has justify the actions of my abuser. It also does not assign fault. We are sinful creatures by nature and haven't found a situation yet where every human in any situation was completely free of sin. I can't do anything about the sin of my abuser, and it's not my place to. And I can ask God for justice in that situation against the person who sinned against me. But what I can do, how to learn and grow, is to look and say, where was my sin in this situation? But hear me when I say sin is not the same as fault. 
An abused wife may have the sin in her own heart of gluttony or shopping addiction, but that in no way justifies the abuse. Looking at our own sin helps us to see the forgiveness given to us. And that's the point. Jonah may have been more empathetic to the terrible Ninevites in all their sinful ways when he realized his own sinful heart. We are looking for Jesus in our own stories, and sometimes we have received grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And it's important to look for that because that is the evidence of our Savior in our life. But we don't want to see it because we don't want to recognize our own faults. We don't want to take that really brutal, sometimes ugly, and honest look in the mirror. (laughs) It's hard. I never said that writing your testimony would be easy, (laughs) but it is fruitful because now you can actually point to why you follow Jesus. You can point and say, I have received forgiveness. Not only does that help your own heart posture, but it helps you be empathetic and compassionate to others. I needed to get to the point in the place in my life where I could forgive those who had abused me because it's not about fault. I needed to forgive the people who have sinned against me in my life because unforgiveness rots away at you. It is not something that you want as your bedfellow because it never leaves when it's there. I needed to forgive those people and to hand over justice. And in doing that, I then, after that process, could take a look at myself and say, okay, where was my sin in this? Where did my heart lead me astray? Because I want to be closer to Jesus, because I don't want to go down that path again. And you can only learn whenever you've known where you have come from. Sometimes it can be painful. Sometimes it needs the help of guided professional counselors. It's okay to reach for that. I did. I think it's great. Maybe it is the the need of a program like Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christian 12-step program to overcome trauma, abuse, and addiction based on the Alcoholics Anonymous model. I'm actually going to link to their website in my show notes because I think it's such a valuable program because sometimes these things are, yeah, I just need to get over it and I just need to face my addiction. But any heart change can only come from Jesus and we need to include him in the process. So I'm a big fan of Celebrate Recovery. And sometimes those sins, whether committed by us or perpetrated against us, need his healing touch. But what we see in the story of Jonah is that God is patient and he will never leave you throughout that process. He is there with you the whole time and he wants to help you see where you have been forgiven because he wants you to see him. It's a relationship. It's not just looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I'm such a piece of dirt and I don't deserve to live. It's saying, wow, I have real faults. And yet the God of the universe chose me anyway. And that is amazing and a wonderful freedom and definitely worth spending some time on. So thank you, Jonah. The next witness testimony that we looked at was the testimony of Ruth. 
Now, something I want to highlight, my big takeaway in relevance to this conversation, is that God is always at work, even when we can't see him. Now, when thinking about writing your own testimony, it's very common to think that you don't have anything to say. It's very common to say, I don't really have a story. I've never done anything crazy bad, or I've never had to overcome a huge obstacle. Like, I don't know where God is. But God was there. God was there when Ruth lost her family. God was there when Naomi immigrated to another country. But God was also there when Ruth was just picking wheat. I mean, that's the equivalent of going to the grocery store. Like God was in that plan. He's there for all of it. So like I said, the the starting place is what's difficult. And it may be difficult to see God at work during the tough times in your life and during the very boring nothing's happening times in your life. Start by simply just writing down those times, things that have happened to you in your life. And the next two episodes are going to have us really get into the logistics of how this happens. Like, what do you write down and what does that look like? But for this conversation today, I want you to just start being able to think about it. So some people think in a very linear path, like I was in elementary school, I was in middle school, I went to youth group, high school, this thing happened. And it's a series of events that go in a very like timeline ordered fashion. Some people like to think about the most important events that have happened in their life and then work down from there or vice versa. There is no wrong way to write your testimony. So remember the story of Ruth. It was just a statement. It was just a story. It was just a narrative. This is what happened. So maybe you spend some time in prayer about it. And maybe you ask a friend or a loved one who is also a believer if they can help you see where God was at work. You can say like, well, here's this period of time in my life that was college and nothing really happened. And then you call your mom or you call your sister and say, hey, did you notice anything about that period of time in my life when I was in college? I'm trying to write my testimony and I want to see God in that time, but I I don't know. I'm having a hard time seeing him. It's okay to ask for help because just like we learned from Jonah, it's so much easier for outside people to see what's happening on the inside. They have an objectivity and a perspective that's very hard for us to have in the trenches, in the middle of it. So asking for help is great. And prayer is always the best place to start. And God will show you what you need to remember. God will show you what you need to put in your testimony. I've seen it over and over again. He's so faithful to help you tell his story. You're not alone in this and he's at work in all of it. Now, a common path is to try and find uh, like a meaning in a difficult situation to make that situation okay or to justify it. For example, let's keep talking about Ruth. Now, her husband, brother-in-law and father died. And if they hadn't died, Naomi would not most likely have traveled, immigrated back to Bethlehem. So Ruth could look at her story and look at that tough time when so many people in her family died and then come to the wrong, the erroneous conclusion that God killed those men so she could be saved by Boaz in Bethlehem and finally have children. I think 
we do this. This is very natural. I've done it. I see other people do it when they write their testimony. They want to to justify hard times, cancer, loss, grieving. And say like, well, if that hadn't happened, God wouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. So it's important to remember that God uses our choices, good and bad, for his will and for our good. God is at work through difficult circumstances, not in spite of them, like, oh, she made a bad choice. Now I've got to change my plan. And he's not the direction of them. We do have free will. Now, if any of this super bothers you, or maybe you just can't wrap your head around what I'm saying, you're not alone. (laughs) This is the question of sovereignty and It is a heavily debated topic in Christian circles, and there's lots of information that you can go and seek out um, to really kind of get into the debate of sovereignty. And I'll post some links to some articles in the show notes if you're interested. But just remember, for today's conversation, we are concentrating on your story, your testimony. I'm just trying to give you a word of caution about what I see happen regularly when people write their testimonies. Something tragic happens and in their testimony they say, but you know, if that hadn't happened, God wouldn't have brought me here. And that puts God at fault of bad things and it just kind of gets really messy really fast. And so you can draw lines through things without assigning blame for them. Hopefully that makes sense. But yeah. Sometimes I do believe that God allows hard things to happen for our benefit. And sometimes he gives us a free will to actively disobey him and go down bad paths. But he is still the sovereign king and we are not big enough to interrupt God's plans. (laughs) No matter how big and bad the decision may seem, it is not bigger than God. And so when you go through and you write down your events, you can draw those lines, but try not to make concrete conclusions from point A to point B all the time. That's not really the point. You're looking for, this is what happened in my life. This is where I see God in it. And this is where I see his mercy and his forgiveness and his patience or whatever it is that you received. Look for grace and mercy in the difficult times. So for example, I have a dear friend who has suffered with infertility, so her whole life, and she's always had the desire to be a mom. That is always her goal. What do you want to be when I grow up? I want to be a mom. Like that was her dream. And through miscarriage and disappointment and struggle, it all seems really meaningless. Now, I don't know if she would say, I'm a strong believer today because God never gave me children. But that would be a really tough thing to say and to believe. And I was very surprised to hear how she did frame it whenever she gave her testimony. I was so proud to see this very active, deep wound framed in such a gospel and God-loving way because she titled her testimony, A Love Story. She said, I want to tell you a love story. And that love story was between her and God. Even through such 
unfulfilled dreams and despair and heartache, she could still see God in her life. And I feel blessed to have witnessed her faith. The last witness testimony that we looked at was that of Moses. And we looked at the beginning of his story because he did do amazing things and he served God well for decades, but he didn't get it right all the time either. (laughs) We looked at just the very beginning where he said, no, I, who are you? Who am I? Nobody's going to believe me. Send someone else don't make me do this alone. Like he had something to say at every step of the way of this journey. So our mistakes don't invalidate our faith. And I think this is so important to remember when we start to think about what we want to say about our life and our testimony and where God has been in it. Because sometimes we are so ashamed of the mistakes. We don't feel like we're worthy to talk about faith in the same story. But they have to go together because mistakes do not invalidate our faith. They grow it. When we mess up, our gospel faith gives us the room to confess and to grow. Forgiveness is available to you right now. No lamb slaughter required, no weird sacrifice, no epic on foot trek to some city way up on a hill. The perfect lamb has already been sacrificed on your behalf. The forgiveness is there. And just like salvation, you just have to receive it. That's amazing. (laughs) Your past doesn't define you anymore. It's not about who you were. It's about who you are, who you are in Jesus Christ. And what an amazing gift that is. You don't have to find the right light and angle to share your witness story like some kind of perfect selfie. You don't have to try and frame it and be like, well, I know that this was bad, but don't worry because it led me to Jesus. You get to just tell it out how it is, how it happened. It probably would have been very easy for Moses to not write down that whole burning bush conversation or to frame his words in a different way. Or when God calls him, for him to immediately jump up and say, yes, Lord, I will do exactly what you say and be obedient. No one else was there. No one else was there at the burning bush besides God and Moses. That means Moses told his story. He confessed and was honest about the fact that he tried to avoid God's calling. He let his story be known, and we are reaping the benefits of that. It is so beneficial to our community of believers when we are honest, when we let people know, hey, I've been there too. I made that decision also. But look, God still loves me. That's what gets people up and out of the trenches. Be like Rahab and declare your faith. Be like Jonah and confess your disobedience. Be like Ruth and look for God's involvement. And be like Moses. Be humble enough to confess your mistakes and be changed through them. Let those mistakes help you grow in your faith. 
They do not tamp down your faith. Your mistakes are not a wet blanket that gets put over the fire of your faith. They are the kindling that gets added to the pile so your faith can grow and give light to others. And that is such good news. All right, y'all. I hope I have given y'all some things to think about. Hopefully you are going to start thinking about how to write your testimony. So like I said, over the next two weeks, we're going to get into the logistics of how this works. So I just wanted to give a little word of advice, maybe, is that if you normally listen to this podcast, maybe in your car while you're driving on the way to pick up the kids or while you're doing dishes, the next two weeks, you might want to be sitting down with some paper. You might want to actually take some notes. These are going to be a couple of weeks. I'm so excited about it, but I'm going to give you actionable items, things that you can actually do. And we're going to walk through how to write a 10 minute testimony. It's going to be life giving. Hopefully it is going to be hard, but full of grace and mercy because you are not alone in this. And hopefully maybe you're brave enough once you're done to share that testimony with a loved one who is also a believer and get this train going because this is my passion if we could share our stories our witnesses to more christians without condemnation shame or guilt then we could all be more unified as one body just as jesus intended us he did not intend for us all to be worshiping the same way with the same stories from the same background he wants a multi-ethnic and varied church and we can only do that if we're in community with one another and i have seen this work on crazy scales so this is my passion obviously that's why i started a podcast but i'm really excited the next few weeks make sure that you have some kind of way to take notes or that you save it. You can always download these. And on my website, deborahjmckenzie.com, there is an individual MP3 file for every individual episode on the podcast page. So you can always download these, share them. I don't care about streaming numbers and downloads and all that kind of stuff. Uh, please feel free, download the MP3 and share it with whoever you want. All right, y'all have a good day.